0: I mean, I think currently, um, and historically, we have a narrative that assumes that when people are struggling or going through something, that they are willing to do more, go further, be more committed, take more action than they actually are. And if you look at our current mental health system, it is pretty designed around getting somebody into treatment, which can often look like finding a therapist or a support group or taking meds or, you know, God forbid you need a, a more severe intervention, you know, a stay in a, in a, in a treatment facility. Um I think that the short-sightedness of that perspective really leaves us just um, as we're approaching our own struggle of really unsure of what to do next. I mean, I think if you take a broad swath of society and look at it, I think if more people were willing to take all those steps and do all of those things from the get-go – we likely would have a healthier society, but I don't think it's realistic. I don't think everybody is gonna get in their car or seek out finding a therapist or find a doctor or psychiatrist that's gonna prescribe them meds. And frankly, I don't think that that is a solution for everybody.
1: Hello, good day, greetings, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining True Hope Podcast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Here at True Hope Canada, we are a mind and body based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about us, you can visit truehopecanada.com. Today, I welcome Jason Hopkins to the podcast. Now, Jason is a motivator and catalyst for cultural change within organizations. He believes that connection to oneself one's transparency and one's passion to connect allows individuals to live a wholly authentic full life. He creates systems of people working to deepen their relationships to their work, their play and ultimately our world. Jason's mission is to advance human connection by embracing the conversation of fighters, those folk whose journeys from black to light give hope to those that deserve a second or even a third chance to be the ambassadors of conversation. Today, Jason and I are going to be discussing the power of focusing on those individuals who have turned their lives around. Enjoy the show. Okie dokie. Good morning, Jason. How are you? What is going well?
0: Good morning, Simon. I am great. Um, what is going well? We have beautiful weather here in Denver, Colorado today. Um, just glad it's Friday and, um, you know, just enjoying life. Happy to be here.
1: You're right. It is Friday. This should give us a little extra perk in our conversation today with the weekend just around the corner. That's great. For sure. Um, Why don't you just introduce yourself? Who are you? What is it that you do?
0: Yeah, so that's a that's a longer question, but um, so I'm Jason Hopkins. I am the president and CEO of the National Alliance on Mental Illness for Arapaho and Douglas Counties. Um, many people may know us as NAMI. Um, a lot of the work that's done for NAMI is um, focused at an affiliate level. So I lead the largest affiliate in the state of Colorado from a membership and community size perspective. And then I also have an organization that I founded and am president of called the Connection Project. Um, and in its mission, it is simply to strengthen and deepen connections to ourselves and others.
1: Amazing. So how, I mean, the connection project, how, how does, how does that kind of work? Like if I wanted to get involved, like, can you tell us a little bit more about how people get involved in that?
0: Absolutely. So that work was born of the work that I have done with NAMI for more than a decade now, and really recognizing that a lot of that work focused on family members and loved ones that have chronic and persistent mental illness, and by and large, from doing that work, there's always gonna be a population that needs um, the support, the education support and outreach programs that we offer. But there was a broad swath of people who were just what I would consider struggling with life, transition issues, et cetera. Um, loss of a loved one, loss of a, a job, you know, transition, relationship issues, et cetera. You know, I think we can all agree that there are seasons in our lives that we go through things that perhaps we need some extra support or help to navigate those times it does not imply that you have a mental illness or mental health condition um, and i found by and large there was not a um, a place to turn in a simple way um, during those times so that work is really focused on you know what are the things that we can do in those times of struggle that really empower us to take action in our own lives and to take a next right step in supporting ourselves for you know having a life that we you know
1: enjoy and love in your experience so people there's, there's a there's a clear narrative there's certain myths around mental health and mental illness as well i think that if you don't have experience with going through something like depression or anxiety it can be quite difficult it can be very difficult to to relate to an individual who's right. going through something like that because everybody's you no know, past traumas be that from childhood or in your adulthood everyone's going to experience psychologically and physiologically different different experiences when it comes to how their body is going to end up dealing with dealing with that situation and it's going to it's going to vary with people so why does this present narrative about mental health often hold people back from recovery because i think we're, we're certainly talking more about mental health i think in the last couple of years um especially on my like social media streams you know i'm getting so much about men's mental health and and you know we should be talking more and i think that's absolutely that's totally spot on, in in regards to that. But like, what what do you think holds people back in regards to the the current? Because there's a stigma. There's there's totally a stigma around it. So what's holding us back? Yeah, that's a stigma? great
0: question, Simon. I'm so glad you asked. So I mean, I think there's a couple of things with that. I mean, I think currently um, and historically, we have a narrative that assumes that when people are struggling or going through something, that they are willing to do more, go further, be more committed, take more action than they actually are. And if you look at our current mental health system, it is pretty designed around getting somebody into treatment, which can often look like finding a therapist or a support group or taking meds or, you know, God forbid you need a, a more severe intervention, you know, a stay in a, in a, in a treatment facility. Um, I, I think that the short-sightedness of that perspective really leaves us just Um, as we're approaching our own struggle of really unsure of what to do next. I mean, I think if you take a broad swath of society and look at it, I think if more people were willing to take all those steps and do all of those things from the get-go, we likely would have a healthier society. But I don't think it's realistic. I don't think everybody is going to get in their car or seek out finding a therapist or find a doctor or psychiatrist that's going to prescribe them meds. And frankly, I don't think that that is a solution for everybody. Of course, I don't want to discount traditional treatment therapies at all because they are highly effective and necessary for many people um, by and large. But but when I talk about the fact that everyone struggles, and that's actually the tagline in our organization, and recognize that struggle is kind of a foundational place that we could any one of us could find ourselves in, um, I think it should be easier for us to be able to navigate the system, and it shouldn't require us having to spend hours to seek out a therapist or to find a doctor to prescribe meds. I mean, there are simple things that we can take action on in our own lives to support ourselves. And again, not subscribing to the fact that this is a one size fits all solution because it is not. Um, But I, I think the narrative has really held people back and to your point, mental health and mental illness, I think there is no differentiation um, in the current lexicon for um, the conversation that we're having. I mean, Um, not everybody who is struggling with mental health, and frankly, we all have it if you have a brain, um, has a mental illness. And I think that those two words get used interchangeably. And now we've decided to add that word wellness or well-being into it to make it softer or gentler for people to understand. I think the reality is it comes down to a simple thing. We are all seeking connection to ourselves and others. And I think the the current system, and again, I I don't want to point fingers at anybody it is really um we don't have language to describe the differences and i think that's what keeps a lot of us stuck in not taking action
1: do you feel that the conventional model because i feel like in the uk in canada where i am now and in the us there's probably a very um very similar pathway where someone who's struggling he does go to go, does go to see their doctor and probably get put on a pharmaceutical maybe get to see a therapist and be referred but like in your experience and a lot of people who have come through your organization the connection project um how have people experienced that conventional pathway through what you would call like a mental health issue or a diagnosis or a dis-ease like how have you seen people go through that classic model
0: yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, I, and again, I go back to this, this is not a one-size-fits-all solution. So what works for one person may not work for another. Um, I think it really starts with you know, us as, as human beings. I mean, the, the, the basis for anything in life is are you willing to take action and do it committedly and consistently to get a different result? So people who come into um, seeking support or help with an attitude of, I'm willing to do what it takes to feel better, often fare better. The ones who may have a half-hearted approach to, oh, I'm going to try this, but it didn't work well for me in the past, and maybe come in with a preconceived notion about, you know, what their expectations are, what they're going to get out of a treatment program. Um, I, think, I think the narrative that we build up in our ho- own head often really stops us short of getting the treatment or the supports that we need. And, and frankly, I have to think, we, I think we have to go back and really call out most people don't seek help or support to change unless they have to, for some reason they've been court ordered or somebody's doing something disastrous that they don't want the consequent of, or it's too painful that they can't sustain living the life, the way that the, the way they've been living. Um, I think that is, that is how we are wired as humans. Um, and to assume that, again, that people are going to do more, go further, go faster to support themselves i think it's a really it's a dangerous narrative for us to continue promoting because I don't, I don't think it's realistic and it hasn't played out it doesn't support that people are just oh i feel bad today and i'm going to go and take all these steps to help myself i don't just yeah you well know, we've works. seen
1: we've seen a rise all across the world in regards to organizations individuals really taking um really taking charge of of supporting mental health within their community that could be like a you know that could certainly be a a global or a national or a very like you know small regional organization and that just just looking at those that that rise which is a very positive thing because a lot of people are seeing within their own families within their own relationships and within their own lives that their mental health is a very serious issue and a lot of people are struggling so they're trying to advocate they're trying to create solutions they're trying to spread the message trying to create resources for people which is unbelievably positive right but it just goes to show to me that like the conventional model clearly isn't working because we're having to you know we're kind of having to take measures into our own hands as like kind of the general public and the kind of a lot of governments aren't quite um, i mean obviously resource stricken somewhat but It just goes to show to me this rise of organizations is really positive, but it just goes to show that's happening over as a reflection because something that the primary broad um, treatment mechanism is just not working.
0: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about uh, about resources of the system. I mean, you know, if we look back to what we've collectively been through in the last couple of years with COVID, you know, there are so many things that have happened that, you know, have really forever changed the, the world and the trajectory that we're on as a human race. And I think the great news for mental health specifically is people are st- talk, starting to talk collectively about their struggle in a way that they never have. I think that's a really amazing thing because it opens the door for people to seek out support. Part of the narrative that is not broad and and loudly spread, which I think is where a lot of these smaller organizations come into, or even large organizations, is the recognition of the demand far exceeds the system's availability to support people. So I really think the advent of where we're going or where we are currently and will continue to evolve to is going to look like people better supporting themselves. Like what are the steps I can take if I am struggling to help myself through this time? And recognizing that there are system supports in place, but they are more limited than they've ever been. And frankly, they're for many people, incredibly hard to access. You know, I mean, I hear people all the time that want to see a therapist, and I mean, I can usually make a call and find somebody a place to get connected. If you don't have a resource like me that you can pick up the phone and call, the reality is you may have to wait three or four months to get a, a, a therapy appointment or to get in to see a doctor that could prescribe you meds. And frankly, in that moment, three or four months feels hopeless for many people.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so tricky. It's so difficult. And I think that going forward, I think we're going to be taking a lot of personal responsibility within our own communities to be able to reach out and allow people to be vulnerable and be open and, you know, start committing to their own recovery, but doing it in a a communal setting. I think one of the the positives of the last couple of years is that we've all we've all dealt with this this trauma, this, this this tragedy of of, of COVID together, it's a commonality, right? So it's bought it, you know, it's like, it's kind of given a lot of people the recognition that we share this big thing this big issue, this big problem at the moment. And it, and it's it's a trauma
0: bond, frankly,
1: it's a trauma bond. That's really good. I like that.
0: Yeah. I, and I, and I think that the recognition of that, we share a, um, we have a collective shared experience, I think is really powerful. I think the trap is in that, is a lot of people assume that what worked for them is going to work for everybody else. And the fact of the matter is, is mental health has never been a one size fits all solution. I think that is why it has struggled to gain traction, not only because, you know, the the, the stigma that we may feel or that society places on us, you know, if, if we are really struggling and need support, you know, holds many people back, but Again, I go back to we, we don't have a common lexicon that supports how do we talk about this in a productive, helpful way that really opens a door for somebody to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can I talk to you about it? And I see that happening in youth more than I do in, in adults and people who have, have grown up in a different system. And I think that we will evolve. Um, you know, certainly younger generations are changing how we see mental health, and I think it includes a lot more than it ever has, but um, I I do think it is a bit of a trap in assuming that what worked for you is going to work for me, and we see that playing out, and that's why there's all these different organizations. You know, I think not every organization is going to end up being a reliable, trusted resource, and you know, again, I encourage people to decide what are the things you can take action on in your own life that you have the ability, you know, to integrate that doesn't necessarily cost you any money other than making a commitment, a willingness to take action.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because we need we need to um, start creating these conversations a lot earlier in the process of somebody going through struggles, right? Because it usually takes a trauma or a tragedy or something significant to happen within that individual's life or maybe they they're so ill and they're so deficient in maybe nutrients that they they become sick and they become ill and that's kind of their wake-up call we need to be capturing this significantly earlier in the process right before somebody gets to the point where something really big does happen in their life and i think that's where these organizations and these conversations really can become helpful And and i agree with you in regards to these younger generations being a little bit more um being, being a little bit more aware of and, and and being a bit more open to being you know to, to, to not being okay and I think that's a it's been a big problem in like my, my parents generation and their parents generation it's like not it's not okay there's no time to be not okay you know so we could just put this facade up right
0: well I, I think and also you know the this trauma bond that we all share I I don't know about you but I if I look around collectively it feels like we are um, a world of a pot that's about to boil over. So sometimes if somebody comes to you and they want to share with you, depending on where you are in your own space, you may not have anything else to give. So I don't think everybody is an open door to say here, I'm here to support you because they may have their own thing that they're not dealing with. You know, I go back to when we started the connection project. I mean, the, the interesting thing was, is realizing, you know, this is something that really, um, pertains to anybody but frankly how do you market to anybody and everybody so what we really started focusing on is looking at what are vulnerable or marginalized communities that we could you know study anxiety depression rates um, suicidal ideation suicidal completion rates etc to really understand what are our most vulnerable communities and by and large the the groups that we've worked with i mean we've worked with middle-aged men groups we've worked with moms we do a lot of work with responders we do work with um, veterans. We do work with um, youth, um, and really, I'll be honest with you. While they end up becoming social impact campaigns for those marginalized populations, the truth is, is the information is really the same. It's the imagery and the subtle changes in the narrative that 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 targets those groups specifically. But the realization is we're all at our core. We want to be seen, valued, and heard. You know, we want to find connection with ourselves and others. And I think that's, that's the piece that's missing. You know, When somebody comes to you and says that they're struggling, I don't think it means for most people, I need you to fix it. I think for most people, what it really means is I need you to listen and I need to get this out of myself. And maybe I just need you to sit with me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people feel a real sense of responsibility. If I come to you and tell you that I'm struggling with something that you're going to expect me to do something to help you and I don't have the tools to do it or think I don't have the tools to do it. I don't think that's the reality. I think most people coming from that place of where a pot that's about to boil over really just need to let the steam out of the pot.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think just just in my experience personally, and within my kind of circle of individual circle of friends and family, I think a lot of people have become a lot more em- empathic and understanding. That right. sure, I've got stuff going on, and there are times where I feel depressed, there's times where I feel anxious. But I think the last couple of years has shown that clearly, other people are, without question, going through their own struggles, regardless of how they might look on social media or how they. Dress themselves up, you know. So I think um, that empathy piece is is very important to to sit back and understand that, yeah, everyone's kind of got everyone's got their problems, everyone's got their own personal struggles. But that's that's a that's a commonality that we can that we can connect with as human beings and and uh, and commune together in a in a in a positive way going forward.
0: Right. Well, that's what I loved about our tagline: "Everyone struggles." Is you know, it, it sets the baseline of something that isn't scary. It isn't sad. It isn't traumatic. I mean, frankly, what we've all been through collectively, does any of us need more scary, sad, or traumatic in our lives? No. You know, Struggle is one of those words. If you say, hey, I'm really struggling and you share what that may be with somebody, I find nine times out of 10, somebody will turn around and share something they're struggling with with you. Not to discount your experience, but to build a bond and rapport Mm -hmm. with you. That to me is really powerful stuff. And when you can get to the heart of just connecting with somebody else through human experience, like, frankly, why wouldn't we want more of that? Why wouldn't we promote more of that?
1: Absolutely. What What do you think is powerful about focusing on those people who have championed themselves, who have turned their personal struggle into something positive and have, you know, turn their lives around what because what do you think is important about focusing on that when you are in a position of like looking to find motivation or looking to find a way out from the kind of the darkness
0: yeah that's a great question and i and i can't speak for anybody else but i can't i can say in my own life i mean i built this life from hell i mean i literally went through my own dark night of a soul to build this life which has led me into doing the work that i do today I think first and foremost, when we see somebody else in that position who is willing to show up and champion for another person or a community or a cause, we have to see them as humans first and recognize that there are likely personal stories or narratives that have played out in their own life that lead them to do the work that they're doing today. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are always going to be an expert or they are always going to have the answer. And I think a lot of times, you know, uh, frankly, we social media is allowing us to live our lives as, as a highlight reel. You know, we see the greatest and the best online, which is often not reflective or representative of what somebody actually is doing day in and day out. And I think the trap there is we assume that people have have greater capabilities, they have more skills, they have more willingness to help. You know, I think we have to see them as humans first, um, and if there is a connection point and you come to me for something that I have to offer and I'm willing to offer it in that space, that could be a beautiful symbiotic relationship. But I don't think that we should expect that that happens by and large in any any given situation. We are humans having a human experience. And I think it's important to see the human first before we look at what can they offer me.
1: Who do you think we can, who can we celebrate? Who do you think we should go to in regards to, now, whether that's books or stories or people within our own circles like how do you, how do you think that's a, that process begins?
0: Well I think that process starts begin, starts by beginning to celebrate yourself for, for your willingness to show up and, and recognize, hey something's not right and I need to do something about it like, that's really powerful and that 20 seconds of courage is literally the thing that can set the stage for all of the steps that come subsequently. I think as humans, we get so focused on seeing the whole staircase, we forget you don't get up the staircase unless you take one step at a time, or unless you're you know monumental and can take two at a time. But it is still a systematic process to get up the staircase. That's not not all at once. Um, so I think championing 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 ourselves, I can say this, um, is really an important step. And then, from there, recognizing who is the person that, that resonates for you or that you see as somebody that embodies the skills or the qualities or the, the life that you want to pattern for yourself. And then learn more about them and you'll find their humanness in that experience. I just I, I think when we get into assuming that people are, um, you, you know, champion is a great word. I think it's really easy for us to discount their humanness and recognize that they are going to have answers that fit everybody's life. And I just I don't think that's the case.
1: I, I often think back to, you know, kind of like maybe simpler times when a lot of people would have mentors, there'd be apprenticeships, there'd be we'd have role models, you know, and we'd have role models that we could actually see 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 and feel right rather than these nonsense celebrities we would have you know we'd have these individuals in our lives that we would look up to and we would get guidance from and that was this you know kind of like rite of passage from childhood into adulthood and it was very very prevalent within the community because you needed that structure for the kind of next generation to come in to, to learn the ways of the the group the community right and without question i feel that like it's very difficult to maybe access role models or mentors in, in this world because even from a very young age you're expected to take so much on yourself and succeed and asking questions or tr- being wrong is not necessarily like a positive thing in our society so i just how, how do you feel in regards to the importance of role models and mentors and that is that inac- inaccessible these days is it tougher to find I don't think it's inaccessible, but I think the way that
0: we go about seeking them has changed. And the reality is, is if we go back to living our life on a highlight reel, I mean, we have entire generations that are being raised with technology and devices that older generations didn't grow up with. I think there are many positive benefits of that, but the dangerous part of it is if, if you empower a, a, a child, let's say, you know, six, seven year old with, you know, technology They often can have a um, an unfeathered access to information that they don't understand the context of what they're looking at, and I think that that shapes, you know, how somebody is is evolving or developing in their their own life, and I think that that's a really kind of scary thing that we have not figured out how to navigate yet. Um, And I think from that place, what you might seek out as a role model or a mentor may be somebody that has a lifestyle or represents something that you think that you want. And again, I'm not saying those things aren't attainable for everybody, but I don't think they're attainable for everybody. And I think people spend a lot of effort and energy trying to model themselves after somebody um, that likely is never going to result in any real human connection. I mean, I think we have we have bought into, you know, technology offering some sort of implied connection. And the reality is that's all it is. I mean, it's, you know, while we're doing this remotely, we're seeing each other's face on the screen. I don't think there's a connection or there's a, I, I don't think there's a replacement for one-on-one connection. Um, so when somebody is seeking or looking for a mentor, you know, I would encourage them to really scratch below the surface just a little bit and, and discern What am I seeking here? And can this person actually offer me this in a real tangible way that looks and feels and actually is connection, not just a perceived connection?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if we were in the same room right now and having this conversation face to face in the same room, it would it would just take this up a notch you know like it would it, it's just, that's just the way we we're, we're we're programmed for that human connection to be able to right really fit, feed off each other's energy and like you know this is obviously a wonderful option but yeah as i say like if we were in person having this conversation it would just you know it would just kick it, kick it up a notch and i think right. that's what that's what's accessible to a lot of people if they you know, choose to you know try and connect with people in their in, in their local community rather than yeah like attempting to to get this from like a from a social media outlet you you discuss in I've in, in some of you in your website you you talk about social responsibility and the next level of that can you tell us a little bit more about what that means
0: yeah so a lot of the work we have done is really been built upon connecting with those vulnerable or marginalized communities and often what that will look like is we will build a pe- campaign that potentially has a podcast series has a digital resource list of vetted you know, supported resources that can support that community to really start fostering conversations. Like I am a champion of let's look at who are the people that are the way makers of having these conversations like yourself that are trying to, to put it out there and to advance the narrative and really start having those conversations in a way that, um, you know, if I can inspire people to think differently about something that they have historically thought of a certain way or to plant a seed around, Oh, maybe there's more to that. And I want to learn more about it. And then can we get you connected to resources that can help you or support you in a time. And that is done through, you know, the, the, the miracles of digital technology, marketing campaigns, social media campaigns, etc. We've had a tremendous success in being able to reach people, um, that to me is the grassroots in a modern world. You know, how do we connect builder, you know, build and connect bigger and faster than we might do, um, have done historically knocking on doors?
1: Yeah, certainly. What, going forward, like what, what are some of the big things that people can do today in 2022 to improve their mental health without? Spending a lot of money, or without having to wait three, four months for a therapist, for say, are there things people can do right now that can start to put them in a in a position to 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 do even more things, or to start thinking differently, or feeling differently, or behaving differently?
0: I'm so glad you asked. That's a great question. So first and foremost, I think there's things that I'm going to frame this conversation a little differently. So I do a lot of work with youth, and we're currently building. I don't know exactly what it is we're building yet, but we're having community conversations with youth. We're building a for youth by youth initiative to support youth mental health. In one of those conversations, I had a very um, great meeting with um, a future youth leader here in Colorado who dynamic young woman. She's a junior in high school. And after we had this group conversation, she reached out to me and said, hey, could we have a sidebar conversation? There's something you mentioned that I want to talk about. I said, sure, absolutely. We got on the phone and she said, you reminded me in that conversation that getting outside and getting sun on my head and taking a walk can change my mood state. Now, again, that seems like a pretty simple thing for most of us to recognize, hey, that might make a difference. Um, and further, she asked, is there a group or you know something that I can integrate in my school that supports people getting out and taking a walk. I said, well, other than you being an ambassador for the message, I'm not sure that there is, but I think to answer your question, the thing that we have forgotten, taking a walk, getting sun on your head, proper nutrition, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, those things can all contribute greatly to your mental health. They don't cost anything. There's something you can do right now today. And the reality is, is if you feel out of sorts or stressed out or anxious I guarantee you if you go sit 10 minutes on a step outside or in a chair and just get some sun on your head and, and focus on nothing but just kind of being in the present moment of that, you will feel different. If you go and walk around the block, um, it. I'm not saying you won't feel bad 15 minutes from now, but it will shift the mindset that you're you're sitting perhaps spinning in. And again, I don't offer these as solutions that I think are going to necessarily fix anything sustainably, but I do think that they open the door for, oh, I had a good experience doing that. Let me do that again. Because I think a lot of times where we fail is we don't do things with commitment or consistency and we don't rebuild neural pathways in our head by just doing it once and assuming it's going to be a solution that fixes everything. I think whatever you choose, choose to do it with commitment and consistency. Like do it again and again and again.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's obviously the, the the research behind moving your body and exercising and being outside and you know utilizing sunlight. The research on that is so compelling for 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 mental health. Right. And I think I think we can do a better job in teaching our youth why that happens and like what happens to the body when you when you do something like that when you you breathe more. you you breathe more air in and you've got more oxygen going through your body and you know you're stimulating different hormones being produced and you know different times of the day like i think i think they can certainly understand this and it will it would have a lot more of an impact in regards to those individuals um expressing and maybe influencing other people to to kind of do the same thing you know it's not just about just like just go outside and you'll feel better i think we can certainly wrap that up in in a in a in a in a package where it's understood a little bit more stronger and um, like, yeah, I mean, it's such a quick and easy thing that most people can access.
0: And I, and I don't think that, you know, this is not rocket science we're talking about here. These are things that we know, but I think in our pursuit of seeking connection, perceived connection through technology, we often are buried in our phone and our devices, and we're seeking out those connections online. And the reality is, as we talked about earlier There is never going to be a similar connection to one-on-one, whether that's with yourself or with another person. Like, you know, again, you don't believe me, just try it. Get out, take a walk, get 15 minutes of sun on your head, you know? And if that feels too hard for you, like write down three things that you're grateful for or drink a glass of water. Like, again, I don't think we have to make these insurmountable or so hard But I do know, again, from my own experience and working with thousands of people at this point, there are things that we can do today ourselves that will shift our mood state if we're willing to take action. I think it starts with the willingness.
1: Certainly. And it's not about doing that one thing to cure you or that's going to be the one thing. No, it's about giving people the ability to feel a little bit different to think a little bit different to behave a little bit differently and then creating a bit more space of recognizing you know oh, I could do this I could do this a few times a day I could you know m- I feel a little better doing this maybe sure. I could go for a jog or I could you know go and make some nice food or something or go and chat to a friend yeah like right. it just gives people that extra space to be able to do the other things that's so important that encompasses us as a human especially when it wraps around our like our psychological health
0: well, frankly, I think it comes down to two simple words: self empowerment. You know, and if you think about those two words, self empowerment, I mean, who wouldn't want more of that? That is literally championing. championing I cannot say this word, championing for yourself. Um, it took me three tries last time too. That's good. Um, yeah, I think it's showing up for yourself. I think we have become so desensitized to recognize that there are things that we can do on our own, and I really believe. If we want to create a movement that's sustainable and really start changing the lexicon for mental health, I think it starts by, you know, and why I'm so impassioned about working with youth, frankly, is I think they are going to shape how the world sees mental health because they see it differently. So what I'm learning and understanding from them is very different. I think going back and trying to change adult behavior is much harder than building in better better systems of support much younger and then helping create a a narrative or a system of support that parents understand, so we can start having these interfacing conversations that builds healthier generations.
1: And we obviously have the kind of the, the adults creating the legislation and you know creating these policies and, and doing all of these things. So yeah, as I say, like it could take a generation or two to, for that to filter through. as those individuals get older but yeah that's that's an interesting it's an interesting thing you know
0: we've done a lot of research um we've employed two professional research firms in the work that we're creating specifically for youth to really flesh out what are the mental health resources available for youth today and and i will say there are many that are um Uh, supported by youth. There are a lot of youth advisory councils. There are a lot of youth, youth voices. I mean, very dynamic future leaders that are leading the charge on this. I will say by and large, I haven't found another organization that is literally a for youth by youth organization. We are not building anything that is not green stamped by the youth that we are working with. And that is a broad segment of youth that we are working at. And frankly, I think the thing that, that, that really comes into the conversation is defining how youth see mental health is very different than how our generation might see mental health or older generations see mental health. It is more inclusive. It is broader. Um, their willingness to jump into traditional modalities of treatment is much different. Their experiences and expectations of those treatments are different, you know, and um, again, I think we have to be really sensitive to the fact that we have an entire generation that is being raised with technology and social media from the jump. Like there's, there's not like we integrate this later in. And I think the, the, the science behind how that affects your brain and its development um, is pretty compelling to support. The narrative has to evolve.
1: In your experience with these youth leaders who are, you know, very much dictating a lot of like what how the organizations are run how can people start to release the blocks and limitations that they have to move forward within their own lives or even with their own careers
0: i think it's a willingness to take one next step i literally think you don't get up the staircase without the one next step and from that perspective if you are willing to take a walk around the block like i'm going to get 15 minutes of sun on my head and take a walk around the block For the next 30 days, I'm going to do it every day. Like if you just start there or I'm going to write down three things I'm grateful for every day, you know, and again, it can't be waking up and breathing. I mean, it can be some days, but I mean, you know, like really focus on what are the things you have to be grateful for in your life. I guarantee you doing anything as a practice will change you. It will change your mindset and it will open the door for you to, to see what the next step looks like. Like don't get focused on the staircase just the next step and do it with commitment and consistency.
1: What are the more underserved communities when it comes to mental health awareness that you've, you've experienced?
0: Oh, the responder community by and large. Um, I think the mental health community, if you think about it, I mean, we've placed such a burden on our mental health providers who is supporting them. Interesting. You know, I think that is a really vulnerable community right now. I think youth, I think parents raising youth is a really vulnerable community you know, you think about what our frontline and emergency responders were asked to step up to do in you know this global pandemic that we all went through. I mean, it was it was life changing work for many of them. That um, I, I don't think that we've seen a walk back from that. I think the demands on people are still really incredibly high, and I think that is playing out in an epic way. I was reading something the other day about. You know, it's 4 million people a month, I think, that are leaving their jobs, Um, many of them frontline worker type jobs that won't come back to that. How do we backfill those gaps in the society? I don't I don't know. I think systemically we are we are going to be forced to adapt downward to what our expectations are of service in the world just because of what we've all been through. I mean, I think people are just fried.
1: Yeah, I think that that's very, very, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good analysis of that very sensitive group of individuals. And you just say like, yeah, the, the, the people supporting the mental health to people who supporting their mental health and who's supporting their mental health, you know, it's, it's very, it's very, very tricky. And yeah, like so many people leaving their jobs in such vital areas of our society. Yeah. We're going to have to have a, a different expectation going forward. If, if, if something drastic doesn't change, um, so, NAMI, it's the, it's the National Alliance of Mental Illness, is that right? Correct. Yeah. How, so, what, how does that look going forward in regards to do you have like some big goals going forward? Is there something, you know, something on the horizon?
0: Yeah. So, NAMI as an organization, there's a national organization and there's representation in every state as a state organization. And then the actual work to support community members happens at the affiliate level. So, to be clear, I run an affiliate, um, one of the largest ones in Colorado. Um, and many NAMI organizations, depending on where they are, you know, are all volunteer led. We happen to have paid staff. Um, but what I think it looks like moving forward, I think NAMI as an organization is having to really redefine through what we've all been through. How do we better support people? Um, how do we better show up to meet the evolving needs of society? I mean, NAMI is an organization, by and large, supported chronically or persistently mil- mentally ill loved ones and family members. Um, that was what the organization was created to do in the late seventies around the kitchen table, um, and has evolved into this organization. i I frankly think we're all still trying to figure it out, you know, based on the conversation we've just had. Um, I think the, the development of what comes next is continuing to evolve. Um, I think the need far exceeds the supply. Um, Frankly, from my perspective, NAMI aside, I think the, um, you know, any movement that we can take to empower people to take action, that self-empowerment piece, I think that's huge because I think, I think we cannot discount or overlook the fact that we have a system that is
1: overburdened. Very well said. Absolutely. And um, it sounds like an incredible organization. And I'm really, really interested to learn more about the, the youth, champions that you have that are like, you know, up and coming leaders and how their perspectives are um, trickling through. And I think that's a very interesting way of, of look, of looking at this whole, this whole thing going forward. It's a very, very powerful piece. I am so in awe of young people today. I mean,
0: truly just amazed at what they know, how smart they are, how willing they are to champion a cause for collective struggle. I mean, it may start with, what they've experienced in their own schools. But I mean, it is, I think it's game-changing, honestly, Simon.
1: Cool. Well, it's going to be exciting to see how that goes forward. And I ho- do hope that there are organizations all over the world that are um, taking it from that point of view, because I think that's very, very important to be able to to do anything of any substance going forward. Agree. Um, how can people learn more about NAMI? How can people connect with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so that's
0: really easy. So my two websites are um www.namiadco.org, namiadco.org. Um, and then the connection project is www.realpeoplereallife.org. Um and you can connect with me on either of those. And um, you know, we're we're continuing to be champions for the cause ourselves in the work that we're doing. I I I am excited for seeing this to continue to evolve personally.
1: Beautiful, myself included in that. I think I really appreciate your conversation in regards to the perspective on the on the youth within these organizations, taking those simple steps, um, giving yourself even just 15 minutes out outside to just change your environment somewhat and how powerful and impactful that can be. I really appreciate your uh, time today and your perspective on all of that. Simon, I appreciate
0: you for holding the space for the conversation. it was it was well spent.
1: Awesome, I completely agree with you. Thank you very much, Jason. I really appreciate you. your time. Appreciate you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for listening. This is this is True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Don't forget to check out the show notes to connect with Jason and connect with all of his amazing organizations that he is working with. And uh, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to leave a review. It's very very helpful. But that is it for this week. We will see you next week. Cheers.